this week on the Backtable podcast. I mean, it's it's still that we have really still an, an academic mindset when we work. So we really dig deep into the science and the medicine of the indications we work with. We are very curious about how nutrition works and how this facilitate a pharmacology-like treatment. But at the end, we really have to think about how do we bring that to the patient. So what we do differently, though, is that uh, we always put the patient first. And as from my own experience, I know that in academic medicine, sometimes this is different because you have to really be quick. For instance, in hospitals, you really have to work quick because there are so many patients and you sometimes don't have the time to think. So that's what we do differently, right? We really try to make that different. And we always think about how and where can we start to tackle the clinical problem, right? And, and alleviate the complaints of the patient. So welcome to Backtable Innovation. My name's Diana. I'm a physician and biomedical engineer based in London. I'll be joining Backtable to bring more European voices to the show. So on today's episode, we'll be welcoming Dominic Vordoza and Thurston Schroeder, co-founders of Perfood, a digital therapeutics company based in Germany. So to get us started, why don't you tell us how a doctor and a banker set up a company in a small German city? Yeah, maybe I'll start. It's the north of Germany because the University of Lübeck is located here where I was working. So I'm a trained physician and biomedical researcher, so pretty much the same career like you. And we were spinning off at the university, the Institute of Nutritional Medicine. And at that time, one of our co-founders, Kristen, and I started to shuffle ideas about improving nutritional medicine. And at the time, I don't really know why, but we started to think about Beside the academic path of doing medicine, it could be very interesting to spin off a company. And Dominic is my cousin, so I knew that he was experienced in startup and was having a background in corporate finance. So he was my sparing partner. I was approaching him with all our crazy ideas as from physicians. We started to think of how could a company life look like? And Dominic was the one correcting us and bringing us back to earth and explaining us that there are rules when you want to start a company, you have to consider. And it was not getting better than Christoph, our fourth co-founder, who also has a background in medicine coming to that. So Dominic was the one being best in dealing with three crazy physicians thinking about doing things differently. That's how we came together and starting our company. I mean, that's at least my perspective. But maybe Dominic, you can correct and give your point of view. Yeah. So the way I recall it is um, usually in Germany, doctors think there are gods and um, so they can do everything but they don't want to do everything. And this is why they chose to take me to do on the stuff that they obviously could do as well, but chose to not do. So I was taking care of all the numbers and anything related to money and business strategy. It'd be great to hear a little bit more about your background. What attracted you to sort of make that move into healthcare? Yeah, it's a good question. And to be perfectly honest, when I told one of my good friends and mentors who is in commercial law, who has been leading the German practices of very large consultancies that I'm going to start a healthcare company, he told me, no, don't do this. You're crazy. You know, don't waste your time in healthcare. It's way too difficult. Honestly, I'm originally trained as a banker with a background in business and finance and also a master's in law degree in commercial law, working in mergers and acquisitions, investment banking and renewable energy finance, but then joined the startup, which was an e-commerce company. And I loved building something. I think it's incredible when you start with an idea 
and you you have that imagination how the organization will look like in a year or in five years and then you see how it really happens in high school i was always interested in in biology and was actually considering studying biology but then chose business because my parents actually told me i wouldn't be able to so you're glad that Tustin came to help yeah and and so when he asked me about this i was really intrigued by the idea and to be honest until today i think it's incredible because i love learning and I'm learning every day. First of all, in healthcare, it's so complex. I'm learning about the German system, but also about international systems. We are now looking to expanding to the United States, doing our first pilot studies over there, but also about medicine, since we're working on so many indications. Just to help us understand, why don't you tell us a bit about Perfood? So what is it you guys do? Let me start at the beginning, because for me, it was a little bit different um, than for Dominic's. I was rather pursuing an academic career, so I was really focused on doing clinical work, the university hospital and combining that with science. And that's what I was really, and still am thrilled by the idea to help patients and, and to give patients opportunities for various treatments. And that's how we ended up in, in nutritional medicine, because we thought that nutrition is the key to prevent, but also treat various diseases. Indeed, most of the deaths are preventable by just adapting the nutrition. And there's still so many things we have to learn how to adapt the right nutrition therapy to the patients. As we digged into this topic a little bit deeper, we recognized that there are a lot of flaws and things we still have to change. First thing is that we have a huge amount of patients being in need of nutritional medicine, but we have only a very limited number of nutrition experts. And second, at least in Germany, um, it's that nutritional therapy is not usually covered fully by the insurances. And the most important aspect was that the way how we approach nutritional therapy is that we look very much at the nutrition and the food and give food labels like this is a healthy food because it's rich in fiber, for instance, and this is a bad food because it's rich in saturated fatty acids, but we completely lack the perspective of what happens with the food in the body. What is the requisite of the metabolism of the patient? And that's why we thought about founding a company. And that's what Perfect is currently doing. What we do is we bring nutritional therapy, personalized nutrition to the patients. So we analyze by analyzing the glucose reactions to food, what the patient really needs in case of nutritional therapy. So we somehow revolutionize the way how nutritional therapy is thought and done. Sure. So Dominic, if you could just maybe help our listeners understand a little bit, what is a digital therapeutic? Digital therapy is comparable to a drug. So it's a product that's clinically evaluated, regulated, and usually reimbursed. But unlike a drug, you don't use molecules to get a treatment effect, but software. And so that software tries to help patients to change their lifestyle. And then you do that using specific mode of actions, which in our case is personalized nutrition. Others are doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And you do that um, indication-specific. So we have a product for migraines. We also have one for type 2 diabetes, and we are developing more of that. Physicians can prescribe it, and patients get it reimbursed usually. Can you walk us through a little bit what that process looks like? So if I'm a doctor, I can prescribe a medication. Is Perfeed like a specialist drug that you know, only certain physicians can prescribe, or is it something that's available to you know, anyone from, from any specialty? In our case, it works like this. In Germany, you have a specific digital therapeutics regulation 
that means every patient has access to digital therapeutics at no surcharge. Germany is a centralized healthcare system. Virtually the entire population is receiving healthcare coverage at no surcharge. This is how it works. It works different in the United States, I know. And so the digital therapeutics can be prescribed by any physician and they don't need to be specialists. They can be general practitioners. Although in reality, we focus on specialists because they just see more patients. For our migraine product, for instance, a general practitioner would see maybe one patient a day with a migraine, but a specialist sees 20 patients a day. And it works that the patient visits a physician, then gets a prescription, hands in the prescription with the insurance groups, and then gets a voucher. And that voucher is redeemed online on our company's website. And we then ship a box to the patient that includes a continuous glucose monitor and access to our app. And the patient then applies the continuous glucose monitor. She can do that at home independently, downloads the app, and follows a structured path to discover her personalized low glycemic diet. She will observe how her blood glucose goes up and down using the CGM system. So when you say CGM, you're talking sort of like a Dexacom or Abbott's Freestyle Libra. Exactly. That a patient will apply to themselves. Exactly. The system works with any continuous glucose monitor, with any CGM. And currently we're using both Dexcom and Abbott. And, and then now it's very difficult to calculate which food leads to low glycemic responses and which leads to high glycemic responses because you have a lot of confounding factors. How much do you sleep? What have you eaten in the morning will influence your glycemic levels in the afternoon. Also sensors calibrate differently. And we have developed algorithms to really accurately analyze the personalized glycemic responses such that patients are comparing apples with apples, right? And it's, it's stable. And then we tell patients what to avoid. And to give you a rough idea, in my specific case, as a good German, I used to eat muesli every day for breakfast, and it gives me a blood glucose spike to more than 190 milligram per deciliters. So this is clearly a very poor glycemic response. When I eat white bread with cheese, it gives me a good glycemic response in the 130s, 140s roughly. And this is the core strength of our product because it's always very difficult to make people do something, move more, eat less. This is very tough. But if you identify what you should avoid, that's super easy. Not eating muesli is very easy for me. And this is what we're doing. We're following this approach and then we apply that to a variety of diseases. Just to add to what Dominic said, because that's a very nice example to explain that we are not really doing a classical diet per se, but we are helping the patient to really understand the way how they react to normal food, to their normal food. And Dominic now has a good example of a very healthy breakfast with a muesli and a not so healthy breakfast with a white bread with cheese. But in his case, it's directly the other way around. He is, has a good reaction to white bread and a bad reaction to muesli. So in his case, for breakfast, it's the better choice to stick to the white bread in case he wants to be or to have a low glycemic reaction. So, Yeah, so, just so to... To break it down, so I'm a doctor, I'm a primary care physician, I'm in a clinic, I have a patient that comes to me with a migraine, for example. I then, instead of prescribing them, you know, pain relief or more traditional medication, I will prescribe them a voucher for, for your app, which then, instead of going to a pharmacy, 
they would go to a website. Mm -hmm. And this will allow them access to an app and tell you guys to ship them a Dexcom monitor or a Freestyle Libra. Yeah. So in, in the German system, pharmacies are not part of that digital therapeutics part because the usually digital therapeutics are low-risk products and they are classified from a regulatory perspective as software as a medical device. Usually it's class one medical devices and pharmacies in Germany at least are supposed to take care of drugs that have side effects that are more risky and where people can overdose technically. So they have that controlling mechanism and in digital therapeutics, they've been kind of left out. They don't really like it, but I mean, bad luck, I guess. So sorry, it's just how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so for the physician to be, to be in that example, dealing with a migraine patient, he now has the opportunity to offer to the patient an alternative to the classical medications he or she would usually prescribe. So you can think of, is that patient someone who is really likely to change lifestyle? And migraine patients normally are, because very often migraine patients are rather young, have normally no other diseases. They have really problems by the disease to being suffering by pain and bad impacts on their daily lives. So they are really motivated to change things. And usually migraine patients are very interested in understanding how lifestyle choices could have beneficial effects on their disease. So very often the physician would rather opt in for a digital therapeutic, having no risk of side effects, which are very usual with medication, but it depends on the patient at the end. So the patient can decide to go only by medication or only by digital therapeutics. In some cases, it may be easier to, to combine medication with a digital therapeutic. It depends on the individual disease severity. In migraine, you have, on the one hand, the acute treatment, right, with tryptans or anagazics. And on the other hand, a prophylactic treatment, which aims, which aims to lower the frequency of migraine attacks. And that's what our digital therapeutic for migraine patient is doing. Just by lowering glycemic reactions, we decrease the numbers of migraine attacks and increase the quality of life for the patients. And this just by adapting small things like small breakfast choices. And you don't have to go to a breakfast you don't like. You can stick in the breakfast choice you prefer, but just adapt it a little bit. That's great. So it allows someone sort of to have the flexibility and to choose how they treat themselves using sort of food as medicine. And as a digital therapeutic, you facilitate making those changes. Exactly. It's all about learning and knowing how your body reacts to food and then make the proper um, food choices in order to improve your quality of life and decrease burden some complaints of your disease. So, Thurston, you, you touched upon the fact that, you know, convincing a young migraine sufferer to use that has been a straightforward process. You know, someone that is tech savvy and is able to engage with this kind of technology. But how has it been trying to convince physicians? How are you guys going about, you know, convincing a generation of physicians that believe in or have been trained in traditional pharmaceuticals to move towards the digital therapeutic space? Yeah, I mean, it's an ongoing process, right? Physicians very often don't know of this very innovative option. So they're really um, interested in learning about this new way of offering treatment choices to the patient. And of course, there are skeptics, always there are skeptics. But I learned that physicians are usually very open to this very new kind. And physicians know that very often nutrition would be a better choice 
but very often physicians do not have good options to offer treatments, including nutrition to the patients. So I learned that my colleagues are very open and they are eager to learn and very often like to try out. And at the end, if this option work, they get positive feedback from their patients and physicians do what is good for the patients at the end. So I'm quite positive here. And if I may add, when we started, since the expertise of my co-founders is, well, it's, it's kind of universal. They are more uh, metabolic health researchers and practitioners and less so for migraines. So when we came up with the idea of developing a migraines product, we approached key opinion leaders. And these people are among the best researchers in the world. Germany is very strong in migraine research. And so they're on the boards of International Headache Society, of the German Headache Association, European Headache Associations. And it was very positive what we received on feedback. These people were incredibly open to the approach. They supported us in generating evidence for the product. And now we started this three years ago and today Three years later, we published two papers with our pilot studies. We are currently running the largest RCT that has ever been conducted on migraines and nutrition. And I think the first one ever on personalized nutrition and migraines. And these key opinion leaders have been incredibly supportive to us, which for us was amazing and confirmational and helpful. And these people are established researchers, right? And still, they were incredibly open. Great. So you've been able to get the right doctors on board. How's your experience been getting sort of like the rural doctor on board? To your point, these doctors might not see patients with migraines that often, but given it's quite a common condition, I'd love to understand. So our product now is registered as a digital therapy in Germany. We call it a DIGA, a Digitale Gesundheitsanwendung or digital health application for two weeks now, and it's fully reimbursed. So if you're a migraine patient in Germany covered by the health insurance system, you can approach your medical doctor and you can get the product. I like that. Patient first approach. Yeah. And since now for two weeks, we are being in this reimbursement scheme. We see the first prescriptions coming in. So we've had around 25, 30 prescriptions on the migraine product now within the first two weeks. And we can see where we ship the boxes with the glucose sensors and the app codes to. And we see them from rural areas. I was incredibly surprised that many people are coming from small towns all over Germany. And we don't see a pattern. So um, actually... Um, Torsten's uh, wife is a gynecologist in, Ger in Germany, and I was telling him earlier that I was expecting a lot of prescriptions by his wife. <laughs> but, uh, so, but the prescriptions we got were not from family and friends, but uh, from, from random doctors that are across the country. So um, we were surprised. Uh, apparently, it works well. That's incredible. And it'll be so great to see the feedback that you get from patients who have been prescribed this. How long do you think it'll be till you sort of start getting those first comments? When we got the prescription, actually, one of the most amazing things that happened to me is a girl reached out to me on LinkedIn saying, edit me. I never, I've never heard of her in my life before. And she was like, hey, Dominic, congratulations. I'm so happy for you guys. I was one of your, one of the first patients in your pilot studies. And I did that two years ago. And I can tell you that you completely changed my life. My migraine is much less now. And if you are building up a patient advisory board, I'm incredibly happy to support. And then this is crazy, right? I mean, we, we really enjoy discussing with experts about our digital therapeutic and doing research. But at the end, the most important thing is that we try to deliver treatment options to patient, right? And 
having this opportunity to get patient feedback is very important. And we take it very seriously in case patients have negative feedback as well. So we, if you talk about software, you can change software, you can adapt software, you can change, for instance, the usability in your application. So we are constantly collecting feedback from patients. At the end, we had something like a questionnaire in which patient could openly give us feedback. And most of the feedback indeed was positive. I like how you guys are taking a patient first approach, empowering them to be like, this is a problem I have. I've tried these drugs, they don't work. Why don't we try something different and sort of getting the patient to educate the practitioner almost. Uh, you've talked a lot about engaging the doctor side of things, but have you worked with any patient groups to sort of engage them about what alternative treatments might be available? When we start to work in a new indication, so migraine is one example. This is our medical device, which we started first with, but we have a lot of other diseases we work with. And normally we start by doing small pilot studies, small application testings. And in these small projects, we very early on try to collect patient feedback. So first thing normally is that we ask the patient, what is your need? What is what you need? Is there something missing in your daily life in your way you get treatments. So we try to get all this patient feedback very early in the earliest versions of our devices. So this is where we start actually. So we think about which diseases do leave most to improve. And we ask patients what is their perspective, what is their complaint. And then we really focus on delivering uh, relief for these complaints. And then of course, in this process, we also start discussing with experts. But it's like the second step, right? Because normally patients know better what they need than the treating physician. And to add, we have an entire pipeline of digital therapeutics, and some of them started by patient associations approaching us because they are familiar with a core concept and ask us whether we'd be interested in conducting a study together. We are now, for instance, in touch with an organization that rep represents patients with neurodegenerative diseases. And we'll probably be doing a study next year with them. And this is how the entire process starts. And yeah, so it's either patients, individual patients or associations. That's great. You get them to bring you the problems that need to be solved. Doesn't get better. Uh, so Dominic, I love the example of the lady that you mentioned who reached out to you uh, to say that you changed her life. So just going back to what her journey looked like. So she went to her doctor in her clinic in a clinical trial setting. She was prescribed this digital therapeutic, which she didn't have to go to a pharmacy for. She went to the internet. Then she put on a CGM. How long do they wear the CGM for? Is this a, just a one-off process that happens for two weeks or is this repeated? The German healthcare system works in quarters. So we start with a two-week period with a CGM where patients discover their personalized low glycemic diet. And then we add around 10 weeks of intervention using a headache diary and other best practices that are known to show benefits for migraine patients. So you have a holistic package just with this specific element of CGM and personalized low glycemic diet. And after these three months, patients can choose to get a follow-on prescriptions from their healthcare providers. Um, oftentimes we see that the effects are lasting because the story that I told you earlier with the muesli I've learned that five years ago, and still today, I'm not eating the muesli. And what we see in patients is that those patients that get follow-on analysis, that they have lower glycemic levels, 
So if they maintained that, then the effect is continuous. We did a follow-on analysis after 12 months, actually, even though it was a very small sample size, we saw an ongoing improvement. So in migraines, there is a standardized questionnaire called MIDAS. It's Migraine Disability Score. And after three months, we observed a reduction of 42.5% in this one study. And in the 12 months follow-up, we saw a reduction of 73%. So even though they did the product only once. And so it really depends on the patient how often they think they need to do it. What we do is we recommend that they at least do it once a year to get an update because lifestyle changes that might possibly influence the glycemic reactions and also to discover more uh, foods. What also makes sense is to think in, in seasons. People usually eat different in winter than in summer, so they might want to discover foods that are relevant for each season. Just to help our listeners understand sort of what the recommendations are, do they... So say, say, say that, I don't know, I'm using the CGM, right? I put my food diary and I'm very descriptive. I tell you absolutely everything in my salad. I tell you absolutely everything in, I don't know, my fish and chips. I'm in London. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we like that. Do you go right down to sort of the potato and the batter and the croutons? Or do you just think, say, like generically, this is a potato-based meal. This is a carbohydrate-based meal. No, so you get it for the specific meal. For instance, in your case, it's fish and chips. In our case, it's currywurst. You know, it's sausage <laughs> with French fries and a sort of curry-ish tomato sauce. What you can do is, if, if you're British now and you have your fish and chips, you, you test it today and tomorrow you put like some mayonnaise on it or some garlic sauce, right, and test it again. And now you know whether you should have it with the mayonnaise or not right? So you're, you're testing one specific meal. And we have standardized test meal uh, where we test for specific ingredients, white bread or whole grain bread or potato or as Germans, potatoes, you know, pasta or rice, but also then for specific meals. And then you can really try it out and adapt it as you wish. So you don't have to write down every ingredient. You just have to know this is the thing you tested and gave me this glycemic response. And do you capture that data? So you, on the app, you would write, yeah. I've eaten my hamburger and chips. I've eaten my currywurst and chips. Yeah. And this is what I changed. So, th so you let the patient decide what they want to, want to change. And if you're American, you can go to the Safeway and then you can test any single form of Gatorade that they have. <laughs> <laughs> do, do a study on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I really want to drill down on what a digital therapeutic is. So I'm going to repeat it again. So I've, I'm sitting in a clinic. I've prescribed my, I haven't prescribed a medication. I've prescribed a code that I've, that my patient has gone to unlock on Perfood. Perfood has then sent my patient a, a CGM, which they then put on for two weeks. And in those two weeks, they have to be quite disciplined and choose one meal that they want to work with. So say, for me, I like to have yogurt with flax seeds and honey and strawberries and bananas pretty much every day. So I eat my normal breakfast today and I realize, oh dear, every time I add strawberries, it spikes my blood glucose. So the next day, I will take away the strawberries and sort of make a note on that on the app and see whether or not that made the difference. And I find that actually, no, still my blood sugar is spiking. So then on the third day, I change the type of yogurt I use and all of a sudden everything's fixed. Is that sort of what happens? Exactly. So you're perfect. I mean, you could prescribe it to our patients. You, you can come work in Germany as a doctor and start prescribing. <laughs> you explain where. <laughs> good, good. So basically what our software is doing, it helps the patient to understand which ingredient is good or bad to the yogurt, right? So you would 
get support and understanding that the strawberries are the one fruit you should change. So it's making CGM data usable and understandable and helping patients to then make the right lifestyle choices, right? So you really should stick to your normal way of eating. So you, you eat all your favorite meals in that two weeks. So that's what your task is. So it's quite enjoyable two weeks because you can go to all your favorite restaurants and eat all your, your treats and um, just look for what our treats are the best choice for me. You can eat all your, your cake versions you like and just see what is the less bad for you. And so it's quite a fun, fun experience. And of course, we have some test meals in which you can just give good options like whole bread versus white bread, as Dominic said earlier. So it's like basic ingredients you can compare with with um, and make good choices. It's the, the lesser fun part of the test phase, but the rest is really cool. And how compliant are patients with that process? Because I'm, it sounds quite scientific, right? And I would imagine that there perhaps are people in the population that struggle to apply these scientific principles. What can physicians do to sort of help them understand that they need to be a little bit rigorous in this two-week period if they want to get the most out of therapeutic? Yeah, I mean, if you do the test phase, you definitely have to invest some time and invest some effort to do that. But very often patients start to think about, are they willing to invest this effort at the beginning? And then they decide to start with a test phase. They're really engaged and um, try to get the most out of the test phase. People very often go, as I said, to their favorite restaurants and eat their favorite meals. But it's it's not like a pill, right? If you want to have a pill and want that pill to make your disease away, it, it could be considered an easier option. But if you really want to have a change in your treatment, which lasts for a long time, very often patients opt in for changing nutrition because it's healthy at the end. Depends a little bit on the disease, of course. Yeah, and that's the key part, right? For migraine patients, it's a patient group that is engaged by definition. And the alternative therapies are generic drugs, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, and they lead to side effects. And most people don't want to take them. Since it's a chronic disease, they are looking at taking them for 10, 20, 30 years, and they don't really want to do that. And then again, the migraines also hurt a lot and have a severe impact on their lifestyle. And this is why they're willing to do that. If you're talking about other diseases, we also have a type 2 diabetes product currently in clinical evaluation, and we hope to launch it as a reimbursed product next year in Germany. It's a completely different patient group. It doesn't hurt. You have to motivate them more. So what we do there is we take elements that people enjoy. For instance, many elderly people with type 2 diabetes like recipes. So we put in personalized recipes and help them actually and guide them. They really enjoy using the app. And this is, in my opinion, a digital therapy has the potential to develop a product where after using it, people say, I had a disease, it was a problem, and I used that digital therapy and it was fun. I loved using it. I had an incredible experience and I'm healthy now. So it's a win-win for everyone, right? And all of us are using certain apps every day. And why wouldn't we be able to have that in a health-related app? Yeah, I mean, and to your point earlier, driving behavior change is so hard. So if you're able to drive that behavior change and patients are able to get that dopamine hit of going from unhealthy to healthy, very hard to achieve, but amazing if you can get there. So you briefly mentioned sort of this pipeline of new products. So if you were to give me five one-liners of what this pipeline looks like and what these digital therapies would be, what does it look like? 
So we have different diseases. First, we have migraine as a pain disease. Then we have diabetes and obesity as metabolic diseases. But we also look at neurodegenerative diseases and malignant diseases and chronic inflammatory diseases. So all different sorts of diseases. We see the glycemic reactions to P1 core aspect. And by lowering glycemic reactions, by facilitating a low glycemic diet, you can bring benefit effects to the patient. I mean, we look at different indications and we take a variety of things into consideration. So first of all, is there a scientific foundation for that? And usually for a variety of diseases, there are uh, third-party studies with a low GI diet, low-carb diet, ketogenic diet. And so all these forms of diet attempt to lower glycemic reactions. And then if there is evidence, then we believe it's realistic that we can develop a digital therapy with personalized low glycemic diet. And it overcomes the flaw of um, being too difficult to adhere to because low carb is very difficult for many patients. It's also expensive. It's also an ecological catastrophe. And so, <laughs> well, and that's the start. Yeah, it's true. And that's the start. And then... Um, and who wants to live life not eating any carbs? Not me. <laughs> exactly. And so we then go ahead and do a proof of concept study if we believe that we can do it ourselves. So there are indications such as PCOS or migraines or type 2 diabetes, obesity, where we can do it ourselves because we have access to the patients. So we can do it. We can address them online. We, we have the, the infrastructure in place. But there are also other diseases and in inflammatory skin diseases where we need to have a doctor at least included, right? So we couldn't do that with telemedicine partners, also with local clinics. And then there are very complex diseases, such as in the oncology space. And usually those are diseases where we are looking to partner with university clinics, also apply for non-refundable grants. And uh, for instance, we have received a large non-refundable grant from the German government to develop a tertiary prevention therapy for patients with colon cancer. And we're doing these and these more complex indications. So for us, it's really what's the indication. And then we're looking for partners. And internationally, obviously, now we're looking at expanding to the United States. There, it's a completely different environment. We are not that familiar with the American healthcare environment, with the academic landscape. And that's where we are specifically looking for partners, be it university clinics, physicians, commercial partners, regulatory partners, to then develop the diseases. Because in digital therapeutics, unlike in drugs, and drugs, you only have to change the instructions, right? And then you can just ship it to another market. In digital therapeutics, it's not the case. And specifically, nutrition is very much related to culture. And there, the United States are completely different from Germany. And so we need to go ahead and we have to localize the product to the American market and then have to generate local evidence and then follow the same path that we did in Germany. That's great. And I can imagine, you know, the, the patient profile looks completely different. The way that they engage, the compliance, their ability to, you know, change their yogurt or go get the Gatorade might, might be completely different. Um, so if any doctors, um, academics, researchers want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, we are both on LinkedIn, for instance, but we can also approach by email. So we are usually very open to um, collaborations of all kinds. So just be open and approach us and we're happy to discuss um, several ideas. Because clinical product development is a really complex and long-lasting process and 
one major aspect is at the be at the beginning to really discover the disease, the indication, the need of the physician, the need of the patient. And we try to listen and to learn a lot and to really think of what is the best way, how we could possibly approach that disease and a therapy. So early on, before we even started developing the product, there's a lot of scientific work going on on our, on our side. So we can put the email in the show notes, but it's because it's difficult. It's uh, dominic.bursivoda at perfood.com. But the name is really difficult. So either LinkedIn or we put the email to the show notes, I guess. Don't worry. We can definitely share your email <laughs> so people can get in touch. It'd be really nice to understand as well, I guess, more for the American market where, you know, it's a decentralized system. How does the pricing model work? What does the business model look like for this? Is it a one-off payment for the process of the digital therapeutic that gives you the recommendations or is it an ongoing subscription? So in Germany, we are getting paid per prescription. So it costs 690 euros per quarter. And then for a refill, it's the same. In general, we are open to innovative reimbursement models such as uh, pay for performance, value-based care that kind of stuff. But in Germany, the system just doesn't work like that. And even though we are discussing how to implement these models, healthcare insurance groups have to be able to work with it also from an accounting perspective. With American health systems, we have been talking for initial pilot projects. And there we have been discussing pay for performance approaches. But for us, either way works. You're flexible. I mean, that's the difficulty, right? When innovating in healthcare, it's a bit of a beast when it comes to how do you solve the problem? Beast number one, how does that fit into a reimbursement model so that it can actually reach the hands of patients? A whole nother ballgame. Yes. It would also be great to understand if I'm sort of a junior doctor, a resident, a medical student that wants to learn more about digital therapeutics, are there any recommendations or resources that you recommend? Yeah, so there are a couple of good newsletters. Uh, Mobi Health News, for instance, Exit and Outcomes is a good newsletter. Then the Digital Therapeutics Alliance has a lot of content and trying to really uh, bring the industry forward in the US and internationally. In Germany, we also have an industry association that's really promoting the concept of digital therapeutics. There are also American startups working on digital therapeutics, so people can look into what these companies are doing. There's a variety of options, really, and it's becoming more and more common, I'd say. We really feel that there is a dynamic. Also, there are conferences. Actually, Torsten and I happen to be at a conference in Las Vegas in November on digital therapeutics, but there are a couple more, actually, in the U.S. and in Europe as well. Great. Tons of resources to get stuck into. And just before we finish, Torsten, I'd love to understand how you made that transition from academic world to actually creating a commercially viable product that it really is in the hands of patients. What advice do you have for doctors that sort of want to achieve this transition? It's still that we have really still in an academic mindset when we work. So we really dig deep into the science and the medicine of the indications we work with. And we are very curious about how nutrition works and how this facilitate a pharmacology-like treatment. But at the end, we really have to think about how do we bring that to the patient? So what we do differently, though, is that uh, we always really, really put the patient first. And as from my own experience, I know that in academic medicine, sometimes this is different because you have to really be quick, for instance, in hospitals, you really have to work quick because there are so many patients. 
you sometimes don't have the time to think. So that's what we do differently, right? We really try to make that different. And we always think about how and where can we start to tackle the clinical problem, right? And, and alleviate the complaints of the patient. So there is no one tip I have, but being curious and thinking about the patient first are the two most important things. It's for clinical work, of course, very important. But for working in a digital therapeutic company, this is very, very important because you don't have the direct patient contact on a day-to-day -day business. And I imagine also, to, to your point earlier, like finding the right partners, and you're lucky that Dominic and you have a close relationship and were able to bounce the ideas off at an early stage. But I think that that's definitely something that's challenging to do, being able to focus on the patient and the science and, and at the same time try and find the right partners. Yeah, definitely. I mean, discovering indications is different. Finding the right solutions is different. But if you stay open-minded and consider everybody to be part of a fruitful solution finding, then um, you can definitely make it. So, Thanks. What about you, Dominic? Any sort of advice you'd have for doctors trying to make that transition from an outsider's perspective? It's always curious when you see it from a different perspective. So I think the core challenge in a startup in general is that you have to achieve many things you have to be very right at a very in a very short time with very limited resources and at least in germany either when you're in a, in a hospital or at a university or even if you have your own outpatient clinic then um it's it's a very even i mean it's tiring it's a, it's a hard job but it's still in a way a convenient and comfortable environment And I could picture, even though I haven't experienced it myself, that you're being asked, why did you do this? I mean, you were a medical doctor, right? There is, um, it's like <laughs> within the, what you can possibly become as a human being, <laughs> it's, um, you are, you reach the top followed probably by lawyers. I guess uh, that's what they think, but, um, you're biased and, <laughs> and, um, and so. It, and I mean, um, if you then uh, found a company, it's it's tough. I mean, um, you have to live with rejections and you're bringing yourself into an uncomfortable environment. But then again, when you're a medical doctor and are in, in your own outpatient clinic, you can help like 10, 20 patients a day. But if you found a digital therapeutics company, you can possibly help hundreds a day or millions one day. And how I look back at it is at the very beginning when we were at still at the university and thinking about everything and people were thinking we were crazy because i mean we wanted to give cgms to patients that didn't have diabetes and people were telling us no one's ever going to use that and then put that thing on his arm when when he doesn't have diabetes uh, what are you thinking and now doing such a large randomized clinical trial on personalized nutrition and migraines observing in the data how glycemic responses and migraines interact, publishing that data and having top key opinion leaders presenting some of our data that we generated in our little startup company at international conferences is, is incredible. And, and so that's the opportunity you have. If you want to make a change, then just go for it. And it's going to be incredible after all, I think. So this is what we are experiencing a little bit. If you have a vision and you feel you can execute on it, the right time is now. Uh, we recently had Tamir Wolf on the show and he was uh, explaining this concept of weird to wonderful, which is just what you went through, right? Everyone's like, it's weird, it's weird, until one day it's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. 
So just to wrap up, uh, today we've spoken about digital therapeutics, what that looks like from a patient perspective, what that looks like from a doctor's perspective, and what we can do to educate ourselves more in this emerging space. So if any of our listeners want to reach out to Thurston or to Dominic, you can reach them on their emails, which we can put in the show notes, or reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to learn more about Perfude, you can look up their website online, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Any last things you want to leave our listeners with? I will start. No. Thank you, Diana. Uh, it was a very great pleasure being on the show. Thank you for having us. It's exciting. And for us, uh, we're really looking forward to uh, work on, on doing some work in the United States, because this is what we've been looking for now for a couple of years. And yeah, and this is a great first step and opportunity for us to get things going. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. It's, I mean, it's fantastic times for revolutionizing healthcare. And I think that digital therapeutics is the future for medicine. And I'm really thrilled that we with Pairfood are on the front line of that. And I, I think everybody should try to be part of that journey to improve patients' outcome at the end. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Backtable Innovation on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Backtable Innovation is produced and hosted by Brian Hartley, Aaron Fritz, and Eric Gamaker. Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon, with support from Caleb Hodson, Josh McWhorter, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz, with support from Ann Dang, social media and PR by Chi Dang, and Dana Parker. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.